Hello everyone, Al here from Point of Insanity Game Studio, and this is not going to be a regular episode. This is more or less an update to the last Geekery in general episode, where I talked about a little bit about what's going on with the Wizards of the Coast, D&D Beyond, and the, the whole OGL situation. So again, this is kind of an off-the-cuff episode, not really a lot of preparation, but I did want to give you some updates since I did talk about it last week. Now, when I did my original episode on this topic, there were a couple of things I wasn't aware of, otherwise I would have brought them up. First, one of the reasons for these changes, I think I may have mentioned that there was someone at C- at a Wizards who said that they thought D&D needs to be more monetized. And I get that. Companies need to make money. They need to be profitable so they can invest in their company, create new products, and most importantly, pay their employees. It's kind of hard to make cool things when you don't have a lot of money to spend. But the person who made that quote about D&D being more monetized was a former executive from Microsoft. Okay, so that might be part of the problem because this person is probably thinking that tabletop role-playing games are like video games, and they are not. It's easy enough to justify downloadable content for a video game Well, unless you're talking about something with, uh, I think it was Mass Effect 3, where the only way you could get the best ending is if you went on some, like, specific online multiplayer mission, which meant if you didn't have Xbox Live and you really didn't do any online gaming, then it was impossible for you to get the best ending, but they eventually changed that. But other than that, I can understand DLC for video games. One of my favorite video games, Final Fantasy XV. I did end up getting some downloadable content for that game, and I enjoyed them. Okay, that's something that just improves my enjoyment of a game after I've beaten it or maybe while I'm still playing it. That's fine. Same rules don't really accurately apply to tabletop role-playing games, and that's just the nature of the business. I mean, I have D&D books that I have had since high school, and guess what? Wizards of the Coast cannot make any more money off of those books that I purchased, well, back when it was TSR, back in the late 80s, early 90s. So, of course, they're going to try to look forward to their current editions to find ways to make more money off of them. And again, I understand companies need to be profitable, but sometimes there's an ethical line that can be muddied, and there's some lines that should not be crossed. I want to just say that I have no problem with a company being profitable as long as they're doing it ethically. Over the last week, I have been watching various YouTube videos of people who are more deep into the OGL and the the D&D community than I am, and their various commentaries about the OGL situation. So I don't remember all of the the channels, so I can't give proper credit to who I've heard this from, but Clownfish TV, uh, Tankar's Tavern, 
I think that's the guy's name. Uh, Indestructo Boy, uh, Roll for Combat. Uh, there's also a couple others I was watching, but unfortunately I don't remember some of those names. But one of the things that they mentioned as to why Wizards or Hasbro may have taken this approach, I guess there's been talks of trying to get a live-action Dungeons & Dragons TV show probably going to be on some streaming service like Hulu or Amazon Prime. So you might wonder, what does this TV show have to do with tabletop role-playing games? Well, one of the things that was buried in the leaked draft that we had access to at the time was a provision that by signing on to this agreement and becoming a OGL publisher, that means Wizards of the Coast can use any content you make for any reason without your permission and without even paying you anything for it. So if they're going to be making this TV show, the fear is that they might start looking through all these OGL products and think, you know, that uh, that person publishing from their their basement uh, in you know Kansas, they actually made a really good adventure. Let's take that adventure and let's turn it into a three part arc for this TV show we're making, or you know, this person who is releasing OGL content over in the United Kingdom. They came up with some really cool NPCs in their campaign. So let's take those NPCs and let's put them into one of our products or one of, or this uh, theoretical D&D show. That is kind of scummy in my opinion. Well, here we are uh, about a week or so later and Wizards of the Coast apparently was listening to some of the backlash that they've been receiving from the fan base. So I'm going to go through their reply on the from the D&D Beyond website. We initially conceived of revising the OGL. It was with three major goals in mind. First, we wanted the ability to prevent the use of D&D content from being included in hateful and discriminatory products. Okay, that makes sense to me. Going back to when I first talked about this topic, I mentioned the book of erotic fantasy. How, while it didn't really necessarily offend me, I could foresee something happening where a teenager buys it, then their parents find out about it, and they get offended, so now all of a sudden, their kid isn't allowed to play Dungeons & Dragons anymore. And I can certainly see the backlash against the RPG community if someone makes a game that, let's just call it something like Nazi Death Squad, where your characters play as Nazis who are part of this special unit in World War II where they hunt down and kill enemies and people who've escaped from concentration camps. Yeah, that's going to be very controversial. I know, of course, there's going to be a lot of people in the RPG community that would not only reject that product, but also reject the company. But unfortunately, uh, a product like that would find a fan base, I'm afraid. And as I mentioned before, Wizards of the Coast has been making a push for 
more diversity and inclusion in their products. So allowing people to use their content to create adventures that glorify hatred, bigotry, genocide, things like that would not be in line with the values that they say that they have. Second, we wanted to address those attempting to use D&D in Web3, blockchain games, and NFTs by making it clear that OGL content is limited to tabletop role-playing. I can understand that. As I mentioned in the previous episode, the original OGL was written and introduced back in 2000 when things like blockchains and NFTs didn't exist. So it is important for a company to keep up with technology. So I can understand that part. Third, we wanted to ensure that OGL is for the content creator, the home brewer, the aspiring designer, our players, and the community, not major corporations to use for their own commercial and promotional purpose. Okay, so this one I do disagree with because, again, I understand what they're trying to do. I think Wizards is probably a little bitter because Piazzo went and used the OGL to create Pathfinder, which turned out to be just as popular as Dungeons & Dragons. However, when you do something like this, where you take something you make and you tell anyone that they can use it, you know, even if you do set limitations, there is a chance that someone is going to use it and be more successful than you are. And again, in the case of Piazzo Publishing, obviously Pathfinder hit a certain nerve with people where they enjoyed it they liked it they continued to support the product and again there's nothing wrong with that as i said before i've only played one session of pathfinder i can't really comment very much on the game itself when i did play it it pretty much felt like dungeons and dragons 3.5 but i understand there's a lot of people who like that game driving these goals were two simple principles our job to be good stewards, and OGL exists for the benefit of the fans. Nothing about those principles wavered for a second. That was why our early drafts of the new OGL included the provisions they did. The draft language was provided to content creators and publishers so their feedback would be considered before anything was finalized. In addition to language allowing us to address discriminatory and hateful conduct, and clarifying what types of products the OGL covers, our drafts included royalty language designed to apply to large corporations attempting to use OGL content. It was never our intent to impact the vast majority of the community. However, it's clear from the reaction that we rolled a one. Okay, I can kind of appreciate them trying to throw a little bit of humor in there. For anyone who's not familiar with why some people might find that uh, at least worth a chuckle, in OGL games, if you roll a 1, it's usually called a critical failure, and depending on the game master you're playing under, some game masters will penalize you very, very harshly if you get a critical miss like that. It has become clear that it is no longer possible to fully achieve all three goals while still staying true to our principles. So here is what we are doing. The next OGL will contain the provisions that allow us to protect and cultivate the inclusive environment we are trying to build and specify that it covers only content for tabletop role-playing games. That means other expressions such as educational and charitable campaigns, 
live streams, cosplay, virtual tabletop users, etc. will remain unaffected by any OGL update. Content already released under 1.0a will also remain unaffected. Okay, so I'm not a lawyer, but it sounds like they are trying to introduce something like a grandfather clause where if you released products under the original, you know, the older version of the OGL, you can still sell those products. What it will not contain is any royalty structure. It will also not include the license back provision that some people were afraid was for us was a means for us to steal work. That thought never crossed our minds. Under any new OGL, you will own the content you create, we won't. Any language we put down will be crystal clear and unequivocal on that point. The license back language was intended to protect us and our partners from creators who incorrectly allege that we steal their work simply because of coincidental similarities. As we continue to invest in the game that we love and move forward with partnerships in film, television, and digital games, that risk is simply too great for us to ignore. So skipping ahead a little bit, your ideas and imagination are what makes this game special and that belongs to you. Okay, so it seems like they are aware that people are concerned that Wizards is going to try to steal the stuff they create. I still would not be surprised if Wizards did or Hasbro did try to find a way around that. But who knows? Last couple of thoughts. First, we won't be able to release the new OGL today because we need to make sure we get it right, but it is coming. Second, you're going to hear people say that they won and we lost because making your voices heard forced us to change our plans. Those people will only be half right. They won, and so did we. Our plan is always to solicit the input of our community before any update to the OGL. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Any change this major could only have been done well if we were willing to take that feedback, no matter how it was provided. So we are. Thank you for caring enough to let us know what works and what doesn't what you need, and what scares you. Without knowing that, we can't do our part to make the new OGL match our principles. Finally, we'd appreciate the chance to make this right. We love D&D's devoted players and the creators who take them on so many incredible adventures. We won't let you down. So I will give Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro credit for trying to listen to people and alleviate some of these fears. I still am not thoroughly convinced that this is going to be a good thing for the OGL publishers and the gaming community in general, because I, again, just while watching different YouTube videos and, you know, they were pointing to some stuff on the website that I wasn't able to look up yet. So this might change, who knows, but it seems they're still going to give creators six more months to operate under their current OGL because they understand that there are people who might be trying to complete 5th edition compatible products. There was some language in some of the other revised OGL stuff that seemed to indicate that their whole promise about not trying to steal ideas might not be true. Again, we'll have to see what happens when the full draft comes out. But what does this mean for 
the future of Dungeons and Dragons. Again, I do give Watsi credit for trying to listen to the fans. Unfortunately, I think it's a little too little too late. One YouTuber I was watching who was discussing the matter mentioned that Wizards seems to be using a negotiation technique called anchoring, which means you put forth right away some deal that would be horrible and that no one in their right mind would agree with. But then you start to negotiate and you still get more or less what you want because you're always going back to that anchor. And it's like, well, remember when we were proposing this? So, for example, uh, like Wizards asking for 20 to 25% royalty on Kickstarters. Maybe they'll still include that in the final version of the next OGL, but they might say, well, now we're going down to 10 or 15%. And again, they're going to use that anchor and go, well, remember, we were originally asking for 20 to 25%. I know another concern that one YouTuber brought up, and again, I apologize, I should have took better notes as to who said which things here, but like I said, this is an impromptu episode, just trying to get it out because this is recent news. There was one YouTuber that said they didn't like the language about how the terms could change at any time because this gentleman did do some publishing, and well, in the original version, again, this was before the new one came out, Watsi was saying that if you make 750000 or more, then you owe royalties. However, who knows when they're going to change that to, okay, now if you make 10000 or more, then you owe us a royalty. So again, it's that whole thing, how they still seem to want to be able to change things at any time. I don't think this is going to destroy Dungeons & Dragons as a brand, though. I think it is going to weaken them. I think it's clear that Wizards of the Coast has basically taken a lot of the goodwill that fans had towards them and flushed it right down the toilet. But there's always going to be that core group of diehard Wizards of the Coast fans who will purchase anything that says Dungeons and & Dragons and Wizards of the Coast on it. And that's fine if you want to spend your money on those products, I'm not going to stop you. There are some people I've heard in the community say that what we should do is be voting with our wallets. So if you have a subscription to D&D Beyond, you should cancel it. And if you are you know, sending anything to them, you should mention that you're not going to support one D&D under the current terms of you know, these, these revised OGL rules. Another YouTuber I watched was saying that you should take the money that you would have spent on Wizards of the Coast products and instead spend it on small press companies. Now, it does also seem, though, that there is going to be a consequence that Wizards may not have been anticipating. There has been talk among some companies of creating a new open gaming license. I remember the name Kobold Press coming up, and I also heard that there was some talk of creating an OGL that would operate under something like Linux or other open source software 
where no one would truly own it and it would be able to be used freely by anyone. Now, if these new OGLs come to pass, I don't know if I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. As I said before, the thing I was suspicious about OGL when it first came out is that you're playing by another company's rules and they can change things whenever they want. Plus, I would just rather develop my own original products as opposed to reusing someone else's. But I don't know. Maybe if it turns out to be something I like and if it this theoretical OGL does get created, maybe I will make stuff for it. I don't know. That's too far in the future for me to look at. That's about all I have to say on the topic for now. I still plan to look a little bit into this whole OGL thing and maybe in the future I'll give some other update episodes. But for now, I'm going to sign off and thank you again for listening. You have been listening to a presentation of Point of Insanity Game Studio. Visit us on the web at poigamestudio.com. Follow us on Twitter at poigamestudio. Look us up on Facebook and email us at poigamestudio at gmail.com.